Hey, this is Dirk Verburen from Cadaver, and you're listening to Interview Under Fire. All right, everyone, welcome back to Interview Under Fire. Sunny back here with another new episode with renowned drummer Dirk Verburen. It is my honor. You know, thank you so much for joining our podcast today on IUF. This is an exciting time of the year for you and Anders over at Cadaver with the release of your new studio album. Edder and Bile coming out uh, November 27th on Nuclear Blast Records. You know, first off, congratulations on all of the well-deserved recognition it's been getting so far, especially with it being a follow-up to Don't Give a Fuck, which was amazing. That was a great EP you guys put out for the summer. And you guys are continuing to do that this year. So, but before we get to all that, Dirk, I'm going to ask a very important question. It's a very simple question, but I think it's an important one to ask considering where we are right now in our lives. Man, how are you? <laughs> how have things been for you, man? For you and Anders as of late, for the bands that you've been involved with. How's life in uh, are you in California right now? How's life out there? I am, yeah. Well, you know, I mean it's it's you know, it's it's not bad. Um, there's still a lot of, you know, there's some stuff that's still restricted. It, it has been eased a little bit as of late, but my wife and I have been, you know, we haven't done that much. We've been very on the safe side. So we've basically stayed home except for essential things, you know, we, we haven't really done anything. And so, so it's been, sorry, my, my dog is <laughs> That's good. My dog's like right behind my door, so I have to close it. <laughs> so, but, but, you know, no, it's, it's good, man. I mean, at least the good thing we have is that we can be outside a lot, you know, weather is obviously nice most of the time. And so we've been able to hang, to do some social distance hangs with friends in our backyard. And, and uh, so that's been good, but I mean, I think as for everybody, this year has just been one of learning and adapting and improvising and, and just kind of, you know, uh, doing things differently because nobody really had a, you know, a way to, to figure this out other than let's see how we do this and let's try this and let's try that. So I've just tried to stay busy. My wife as well, we just tried to stay busy and creative and, and keep up our spirits and just... The way I looked at it, to be honest, is like, hey, when's the last time I got to spend the summer at home? You know, I, I don't even recall. As a touring musician, it's just not really part of your life. So I was like, hey, I get to spend the entire summer at home. Great. Like, let's enjoy it. And it's easier said than done. You know, trying to stay busy, trying to stay positive during this time. And we're still figuring, figuring things out. You know, like you said, we didn't know what was happening. It's already October, man. We're three months away from the next year. But Dirk, I wanted to ask you, you know, being away from the stage a lot as of late how are you keeping up your drums these days is that affecting your musicianship has anything changed for your routine wise at all well i mean you know i'm i there's definitely been times where i didn't play as much as i normally would or, or yeah. wanted to but you know i'm always i have drum students every week so they're very loyal they keep me on my toes um they've really helped me kind of you know have a reason to go out to my drum room and practice and obviously for for there's a couple of local ones which after the first two months of the pandemic i took to my drum room there and we've been doing those lessons then i do a lot of skype lessons here from home so just that alone is kind of like you know it involves homework it involves preparing new lessons etc so so right there i'm drumming and then i'm also always you know between the megadeth album uh, session work that I do. Megadeth, we recorded. I recorded drums in late May, early June. So you know, I, and I did some preparing, preparing for that. And then yeah, session work. My own band, Ben C, which I'm always writing music for and recording drums for. So, you know, yeah, I think if you threw me on stage tomorrow, it would probably suck a little bit. But, 
we'll get back to that. You know, when, when that time comes, I'll probably have a few solid weeks of, uh, of physical training to, to get back to that. <laughs> I think every time your dog comes across the screen, it's going to be like just throughout the tenure. There we go. <laughs> yes. So my, my dog, if I brought my dog in here, we would not be able to do this interview. He'd be all over this place, but your dog is actually behaving. So that's awesome. You know, yeah. you know, I want to talk about, you touched on so many things, Dirk. I want to talk about, man, over three decades you've been in this business, you know, whether it's Cadaver, playing with Megadeth, your work with Soil Work, Bent C, even Scarve. I'm going to throw that in there as well. And you've done some extensive touring throughout your career and at Vakken, Rockstack, Grass Pop. Went to, you know, throughout Europe, United States, Canada, Japan, Australia. The list goes on for you, man. So I wanted to ask, what was your favorite part about touring? Because now you're kind of taking like an unseen step back. And does it make you have a growing appreciation of the touring life? Because we're talking culture, fans, even the food. So many things to pick apart about the touring life. What makes it great? What was your biggest personal takeaway from that? Well, you know, I'll tell you, honestly, when I first started touring, when I was about, I was probably 20 or 21 when I started doing my first little tours in France. And this was, Scarve was still a demo band at that time. So we only got a couple local gigs every year or so. But I had a few other bands that I helped out or was a part of for some years. And we did some tours and I hated it. I, I, like I'm a pretty oh, interesting <laughs> kind of guy. And I didn't enjoy the fact of going on the road whatsoever. So it's something that I, over the years, of course, you know, that changed. I learned to appreciate it. I learned to kind of, you know, uh, come into my own and, and, and really see it for what it was, which is just a great experience. So by the time, you know, I was with Soil Work, I loved going on the road. But as you said, by now I've done it a lot. Yeah. And so, you know, I still I, don't get me wrong. I love the shows. I love the interaction with the fans. I have a massive appreciation for that. I realize that that's, you know, the whole reason why we can even do what we do. People like myself and, and all the bands I'm in and all the other ones is, is because of the fans. It's because those people come out and support us, you know, and, and that means the world to me because it's a shared passion. It's an energy exchange that you only get, you know, on a stage. And, and it's a wonderful thing. So I love that. Um, the traveling part, not so much, you know, sometimes <laughs> like sometimes we get to see cool stuff. We get to have free days in, in really cool places and, and, and do a little bit of touristic stuff or just hang out. And, and that can be really fun. But it's also way too much sitting in planes and buses and, you know, and just kind of waiting for, for things to happen or waiting to get somewhere. So and when I say way too much, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm like complaining about my life because I'm really not but that's the reality of it and it's it's an aspect that people don't see that much and so I think for me this this last couple of years where we haven't toured much because you know last year obviously with Dave's cancer diagnosis and treatment you know we had to cancel a bunch of shows yeah that so I've basically you know the last two years I've been home more than usual and uh and I think it was a welcome thing for me I think I kind of needed that to kind of regenerate my excitement for being on the road so now you know, hopefully in 2021, when when things are, you know, a little bit different than they are and, and hopefully better for everybody. Now I'm going to be really excited again to do it. So I think it's a cycle, you know, it's like you need to kind of be on and off with it, at least for me. You know, I, I'm not, you know, I'm 45 now. 
I'm not 25 anymore where I could be on the road all year. <laughs> Man, you kind of just pretty much put everything in a nutshell right there. And I want to shout out to Dave Mustaine. You know, well wishes on his recovery. Hope he gets healthier. Hope you guys, you know, come to Dallas and do the do the shows and like the way we used to. But, you know, a very popular topic during, that's been on my show as of late is, and you've seen this for the last seven months, live streaming. A lot of the bands, what they've been doing is, like we're doing right now, we're not technically live streaming, but you know, this is the interaction. A lot of the bands that they've been doing on stage, they've been taking it to the screen. Insomnium, Code Orange. We had Nilo from Insomnium on the show, actually. He even talked about his experience on selling virtual tickets to the fans and how it was a way for them to interact. I've even had artists who say, I'm not doing anything until all this is over. Or the artists would be say, I would love to do live streaming because it's a way for me to stay engaged with the fans. Two months ago, I'm sure you've seen it. I went to the Metallica live streaming that they did in uh, North America. Dallas yep. sold out, and I went there. It was it was just a crazy experience. It made me miss the live experience even more. Because what's the popular thing that we say when we're on stage? Oh, let me see your horns, guys! And you just see just a sea of horns of the you know, you, and you've seen it yourself. A lot of the fans do it. What did I hear instead? At that show, it was let me hear you honk your horns, guys. So if you so if you lower your window, you just hear just a plethora of just like just sound of people just honking their horns in the car, just out in the distance. And in Dallas, it was like in a sandy desert part of the town. So it was just it was crazy to see. It was a great experience. And believe it or not, that was my first time attending a Metallica event. I know, I know. Coming for someone like me, that was my first time. Talk about our first time, right? But you know, for my listeners who don't know, you know, Dirk's been in this business for a long time, but I want to ask you yourself, everything that I just mentioned now, being on the road as long as you have, the amount of connections you've made in the industry, the amount of experience you've taken in, do you think the quarantine-induced live streaming surge we're seeing right now from these artists, is that going to affect the touring musician business going forward? Do you still see bands doing this even after all this is over? Well, to be honest, you know, I don't think it's going to be as frequent as it might have been when, uh, you know, as, as it is now, because I think as much as it's cool and it's great, I think it's going to be something that that's more a sign of the time we're in, you know, and, and I think it's good because it develops people's, um, you know, understanding of that technology and how it can work from a business standpoint and also for fans like as you just explained, you know what it's like and what they can get out of it. So I mm -hmm. think it's going to become more part of the landscape, and I'm really thankful it's around. But I think once playing live comes back, I think that's going to take over again because nothing, you know, it's kind of like nothing replaces human interaction, you know, just and just in the same way, nothing, you know, sorry, my dog's going crazy. Okay, guest, uh, guest starring your, your dog. <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, I think live streams are a wonderful thing, and and um, I'm hoping that it's going to become more of an integral part of the of the landscape moving forward. I think it will in some way. I I've done a few like with Cadaver actually. I did one for the Slay at Home Fest, which was a lot of fun. You know, yeah. And uh, and uh, but I think you know, yeah. Like I said, seeing a band live on stage that's always going to be the thing. Unfortunately, because. Let me tell you, this is something I really wanted to, to add to what I was saying earlier is that, you know, with record sales being way down and people streaming music and, and that really, really affects artists revenue, which, you know, um, you know, as great as it is and as unavoidable as services like Spotify and, and, and Apple Music are and stuff like that, there's just not the same revenue from that than 
there there was from album sales up until you know albums are being sold more massively and so fortunately you know we have concerts they're more essential than ever for artists to survive because that's where that's where we can actually make a paycheck you know and and uh and of course you know like i said you can't avoid progress it's going to happen in some way i do think personally that legislation needs to change you know that there needs to be more equitable revenue from from streaming services that go towards artists because i don't think the way it is right now it's it's right but i think it's just kind of something that needs to happen over time i think the services came before legislation a little bit they kind of took over and now they're they're a staple and you can't not be a part of them or you'd really miss out but you know yeah luckily we have things like live streams and concerts where fans can support the bands because fans do need to understand that you know we also need to pay our bills you know and 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 people probably think that oh you know they they live this fun and easy life what are they complaining about but the truth is it's 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 a job like another it's a lot of hard work you know in the end and, and a lot of time goes into it not only our instruments but everything else that that goes with running a band you know and so anyway that's my thought on that and there's no wrong answer to that i mean you you summed it up perfectly i I, I get so many different answers about this. Like I said before, a lot of artists love this. A lot of artists hate this. A lot of artists, you know, it's a different way to engage around. Another thing, I, I, have you heard of Neva? It's I think it's a nonprofit organization. It helps out, uh, lo, you know, artists and local venues, not really local, like nationwide venues to not shut down, to prevent that. And, and if you want to talk about the legislation, that's a whole different topic we can talk about, but that's how it goes into effect that... There are organizations out there, and this is for my fans who who don't know. Neva is, I believe, they're a nonprofit organization, but they are all about saving the venue, saving the artists, keeping the music alive. As cliche as that sounds, um, I mean, we need more people like that. And if I'm, yeah, you were going to say something, Dirk. No, I was just going to say that's amazing. I didn't know about them, but it's it's yeah. really indeed that things like that happen right now because. You know, for example, I come from Europe, and, and, and in Europe, there's a lot more state funding in most countries for anything mm-hmm. artistic, you know. And uh, whether it's like in Belgium or in France or even in the Scandinavian countries, I've seen how it is in Sweden and Norway and stuff like obviously Cadaver being from Norway, so we're from Sweden. You know, there's really a lot of direct financial support for artists because that's just the way it is in those countries. And in the U.S., you know, it needs to come from almost nonprofits or independent organizations because we just don't have those systems here, but, but it's really essential. So I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. Uh, it's spelled N I V A. So anybody who's listening can look it up and we had Anders on this show, uh, back in June, as we were talking about, uh, don't give a fuck, man, uh, that guy's a legend, you know, both of y'all are legends. Like it was, it was great to talk to him. He was talking about how you guys were at that time, you were preparing for the ad hoc festival. So how was that? I mean, you had your experience. You played a show. How was that like? Yeah, that one I actually didn't play. The one I played was uh, okay. was here. I played one last year at the end of the summer, which um, was the Hellboten Festival in uh, outside of Oslo. And that's the only one I did, the ad hoc one I couldn't do. So the way we've set it up is that, you know, Anders has, has a drummer called Bjorn Rono who, uh, who fills in or plays with a band when I can't, you know. I mean, it was an understanding from the yeah. beginning. So Anders and I met before I was in Megadeth but and started working on Cadaver, you know, a few years before I even joined Megadeth and started playing with the band. But but uh, but it was always an understanding from the beginning that, like, I might not always be available to do tours and stuff because obviously Megadeth is the priority. So but he really wants to take Cadaver to the road and he doesn't mind as long as he has people who can do the gig 
and you know play, do the songs justice and do it well, then he's fine with that. So I think he's obviously the central figure. He's a founding member. He's now not only you know the guitar player but also the singer. So as long as he's there, and you know the rest of the cast represents the songs the way they should be, which which they are. You know Bjorn is great. Then yeah. it's cool. So and so he always you know has told me that's fine with me. I want to keep working with you on the creative part at least and make the music. So and we've actually already started working on new songs. So man, see that, that, again, that's another good thing to stay busy with. You know, I know we covered everything from top to bottom. I promise we'll talk about the new album right now. So your fourth, you know, Cadaver's fourth album. You know, Edwin Bile comes out November twenty seventh. When I heard this album. You know, from Morgan Ritual to Feed the Pigs to Reborn to Years of Nothing, straight up death metal. It was so pure and raw. It felt like I could, it just came out of that. It felt like it's an album that was like stuck in the 90s and made its way. No, no, the 80s. And it's made, made its way in 2020. Like it was just a flashback from where death metal was in the 80s. So when did production start for you? Because I know this was recorded at uh, North Sound Studios in Hollywood, right? Yeah, Northwood Sound. Yeah, exactly. So what happened is that, you know, after Anders and I met in 2014 and, and this idea uh, kind of was born to, to revive Cadaver, um, we worked on some demos for a couple of years. And then we finally, in, in, in mid, uh, like spring of 2016, got to jam together. I was in Norway and we got to jam on a song which turned out to be Feed the Pigs. And that was kind of the starting point for what became Edder and Bile. You know, we actually discarded some of the stuff we'd been working on and we're kind of like, this is it. This is what we want to do. So after that searching period, you know, we, we kept writing. He kept sending me riffs. I kept sending him back drums. And and so eventually got to the point where early 2019, he came over here to LA. And and yeah, we went in Northwood Sound, which is a studio I co-own with uh, Adair Dolfenbach, who produced the album. Yeah. And, um, and we just really took the old school approach. We 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 played the songs together so there are a couple of tracks to a click but most of them are just no click me on drums anders on guitar just jamming the songs and feeling them out and being like this part should be slower this part should be faster let's do it again just doing full takes and and just having a blast with it because you know as you said you know the way probably i'm so happy to hear it, it sounds like 80s death metal because that was kind of the spiritual approach to it if you know what i mean so yeah Grew up listening to it. That's how I discovered Cadaver with hallucinating anxiety back when I was a teenager, and it really kind of was one of those bands that shook my system because I didn't get it at first. Like, what is this thing? You know, I was intrigued by it, and then as I started listening to it more and understanding it, I, I fell in love with it. And that's kind of to me what it's always been. Every album is really raw. You know, even In Pains is probably the cleanest one, but even like uh, Necrosis and, and the Cadaver Inc. album, uh, you know, they're very raw, and so. I didn't see it any other way. And so I actually had to convince Anders and, and uh, Adair to not use a click. You know, at first, especially Adair was kind of like, wait, but always everybody records everything to a click nowadays. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. So we're not going to do that, you know. <laughs> and but I, it, I think it really, you know, brings out a natural flow and energy in the songs that you that's palpable on the record. And I'm so proud of that, you know. And, and Anders and Adair are now, too. Now they're totally like, yeah, the next album, we're not using any click at all. So. <laughs> Dirk, you don't need any clicks, man. You've you've had enough to where oh yeah, this is just wired into my system at this point. So again, that's I'm just one of a, a million opinions, but I'm just throwing that out there for you because someone who listened to bands like Death and Obituary and Atheist, you know, it was just it took me back and uh, and, and Napalm Death. It reminded me a lot of Napalm Death too, as well. So um, I know a lot of influences come from that, but 
I want to talk about two names here for you because we're talking on the subject of death metal. The album also features vocal cameos from death metal icons, Cam Lee from Massacre, Jeff Becerra from Possessed. What was that experience like bringing in outside professionals in their respective places in the industry into your world of making music? Did it make the process easier knowing that they were present or there for you? Like, okay, we're making the song. This is actually very comfortable for me. I'm, I like where I'm at. Yeah, absolutely. I would say that it was just, you know, kind of a full circle thing for both of us. And I would say, especially for Anders, I mean, those, those guys, you know, both, both Cam and Massacre and Early Death and, and uh, obviously Jeff with Possessed are like some of the originators of this kind of music without a doubt. And they were huge influences for both of us, but especially for Anders, they were some of his favorites of all time since he was young which was before I was young, you know, I mean, he, he's a little bit older than me. So he was really from, from the beginning of those, those scenes, I came in slightly later, like mid second half of the eighties, you know? And so, um, so to have those guys be a part of it was just made it all make sense. If you know what I mean, because we did yeah. talk about the direction of the album and what we wanted to do without, you know, really making a choice to write songs this or that way. But we did say like, let's embrace, what Kedaver has always been, what the scene has been, what was happening in the early 80s through the through the late 80s, you know, that just this explosion of like unique creativity that hadn't really existed in that shape or form before, you know, which which we've been building on all of us this whole scene ever since, right? In in various ways. And uh and of course, you know, like Cam actually uh he was um Anders knew him already from before and so when we did that jam on Feed the Pigs back in 2016, Anders sent it over to him. I was like, hey, would you sing on this? And Cam's like, sure. So we did that demo version. And it sounded great. So, you know, that was kind of the starting point. And Jeff was more more of a happenstance because when when uh, when we recorded the record here in L.A. in early 2019, my wife, Hannah, who's a professional photographer, happened to be doing band photos for the Possessed album, Revelations of Oblivion. And so... Um, you know, and she has a studio here at our house. And so the possessed guys were all here one day. So Anders and I were in the studio recording and we come home and here's possessed, you know, so of course we all <laughs> super stoked because he had never met uh, Jeff before, you know, I'd, I'd met the guys before, but he hadn't. And so of course he's like, Jeff, would you sing on one of the songs? And it was Jeff like it's being the super cool dude. He is like, yeah, of course, man. So, so it was kind of like not really planned, but it, you know, Anders was like, in seventh heaven with that you know it was like this is the best i can't believe we're gonna have jeff on the record so you know it's, it's just one of those things you know then jeff walker also i want to mention being on on the on the don't give a fuck yeah you know that was another one of those you know just massive influences and happened at the same way carcass was playing here in la when we were recording the album so of course we went to the gig and uh and and, Je and um, anders just recorded jeff on his cell phone you know like hey can you say I don't give a fuck a couple of times. I'm like, that's, that's the thing on the song. So <laughs> I did not know that actually. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, you know, nowadays you can pull that off. Right. So it's just, you know, I mean, I love this scene, man, because I got to tell you, this is a testament to how everybody just, we're all in it for the passion of this music. Nobody who makes death metal is in it to make big money or be a rock star. You know, it's, it's music that comes from yeah. the heart. And, and to have all these different people from all these different bands, you know, kind of having this this brotherhood, that's one of the most beautiful things to me, man. You said it yourself, and I'm quoting you here. You said, our goal for Edor and Bile was to capture the spont spontaneous, sp spontaneous, filthy energy of death metal. And you talked about Hannah. She did the photo. She did the artwork for uh, Edor and Bile. 
you know, I, I wanted to ask about that, you know, tying to what you just said, to what level do you like to have a theme for your records? How important are themes to you? Is that more about helping you guys write or sound or is that more for the audience? Because a lot of artists don't, they don't really care about themes. They just do like 10 songs in the studio and that's it, which is fine. But I felt like you guys had a specific goal you wanted to get to with Edder and Bile. Yeah, as far as the sound and the vibe goes, like I said, it's definitely something that we discussed and that, you know, but then again, we went through that searching period, kind of what I would call searching period in 2014, 2015, where we worked with a bunch of demos that Anders had made over the years, you know, prior to us meeting and which he pulled out and some of that stuff we kept. But then once we hit on Feed the Pigs in 2016, you know, that was like a shift. It was kind of like, OK, now we found our stride. Now we know where we want to go with this musically. So I think a lot of times, yeah, I think I think themes happen. They unfold, you know, because, of course, you have, the, you know, the typical, not typical, the concept album is a thing where you know you can go into it and really think everything out and then build it around this this idea and and you know that's that's one way of doing it but i like it when things just kind of happen you know and that doesn't mean it's like an afterthought it's yeah. it's very actually a lot of the lyrics on the record are you know anders kind of shared with me what they're about and stuff and a lot of them are very much about personal growth you know there's a certain sense of nihilism but that's that's just how Anders is, you know. He kind of has a, a kind of a nihilistic look at the world. Bro, it's you know? death metal. <laughs> just just say that. <laughs> exactly right. It's death metal, so you kind of you know that's kind of a natural part of it. But and then Anders also went through cancer, you know. That's true. That's thing. Like he, you know, it, it, that happened. Like you know, actually, when we played that show last year in in Norway, the one I mentioned earlier. You know, he was kind of not feeling that great at the time, kind of tired and stuff. And so not long after, he he all of a sudden calls me and goes, man, I got cancer. And I'm like, of course, oh, it's man. like shock, you know. And luckily, he went through the whole chemo and through the treatment, and it was really tough and stuff. But he's doing great now. It seems that he's cured, you know. Fingers crossed. You never know. I mean, I lost my mom to cancer almost four years ago now. And, and you know, my mom had cancer three times throughout her life. And it always ended up coming back in the third time it took her, you know. So it's always – it's a very – you know, I'm always kind of wary about that stuff and, and like from my own personal experience, but fingers crossed, Anders is doing good. But that kind of, that's also part of the theme is why I'm mentioning that is because, you know, the, the death metal nihilistic, you know, personal growth approach, you know, it kind of was a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way where he had to go through this huge ordeal, you know, with his family. I was actually able to visit him um, earlier this year when Megadeth was touring Europe just before the pandemic shut everything down, we did a European tour with Five Finger Death Punch. And um, and I was able to, on the Norwegian day, to, to a, a common friend picked us up at the, at the venue in the morning and took me to the hospital. So I was able to go see Anders in one of his last days at the hospital before he was going home. So, so that was really good, you know. And we actually took pictures there. That's when we signed the deal with Nuclear Blast. So that was kind of a, an epic moment. And Anders is such a fighter, man. He's such a, like, strong guy. Like, he would always kind of be like, yeah, this really sucked, but kind of laugh about it, too, you know, and kind of make jokes about how he had these crazy nightmares while he was on all these meds and stuff. And just so inspiring, you know, and, and just... And being like, come to the hospital, we'll sign the nuclear blast deal and take pictures, you know. And I was like, holy fuck, this is this is amazing, you know. So really, I mean, beyond being a great friend and somebody I've looked up to since I was a kid, I gotta say he's like such an inspiring, powerful human being and 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 somebody that I really enjoy working with. Man, if you would have told me that I would be inter interviewing Anders Auden on Skype during a pandemic during of all times and him beating cancer, I would have 
Yeah, you're lying. Like, no way will I believe that. And my condolences to your mother, you know, Dirk. Um, I've, I've lost, you know, some close ones to that horrible disease as well. Hey, let's hang on to what we have. You know, Anders beat it. Uh, Dave's on his way to beating it. You know, it's, and I think it's just a testament to the crap that you guys create. And it's great how you guys tie it into the theme. It's like, oh, well, I beat cancer. Well, what else? You know, bring, bring it on. Like, I'm going to continue to do what I love. And I want to tie back into what you just said earlier, how the metal community is such a tight knit group. Like everybody supports each other. And I'm going to say this, you know, people look at us on the outside like, oh, metalheads. Okay. What do they know? Man, we, we're the most nicest people. Like if you meet us, you know, we really have a passion for what we do. And I mean, I mean, you can talk about rock stars, they do whatever they want, but it's, it's, it's again, again, I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but it's a dedication to your crap and you've done that. So, Dirk, do you see Edwin Bile, you know, and with the new Megadeth album, do you see this album being a snapshot of where you are at a certain time in your life? Absolutely, man. I mean, I think it's it's inevitably kind of always like that for me because I, you know, one thing that I've learned, especially with my mom passing and stuff, really kind of hammered that into me is that, you know, life is now, you know. Mm -hmm. That's actually, I'll tie it into Ben C to my grindcore band, you know, it's just kind of like my, my, my own musical expression. And, and I've really re recently been working on this series called Instagrind. And that whole name, of course, was like, a, you know, it was kind of a pun on Instagram and kind of releasing one minute songs on a new format, which I don't think has been done before. But also at the same time, the Instagram thing is kind of like the way I see it is kind of like living in the moment, which is a very cliche old carpe diem, you know, saying that's been around forever. But I think especially nowadays, you know, in a world where we're surrounded by screens and technology and a million distractions and diversions and stuff, you know, people forget. We get so wrapped up in our work and the stuff we have to do every day and, and this and that and paying bills and blah, blah, blah. And sometimes you really forget to just stop and appreciate what you have because you can think about the past, you can mourn the past, you can regret stuff. We all probably have some sort of regret, you know, some people say I don't regret anything, but I always kind of have a hard time believing that because oh, no. <laughs> so I think, you know, there's always stuff that you're like, I should have done that better. And then the future we can't control. We can only try and move forward and make the best of it. So for me, like, like I said, my mom's passing really and, and her going through that and the way she dealt with it in an admirable way and an, an incredible way was really like a testament to me to like learn to appreciate every day. Take every, take a time every day to stop for a moment. Count your blessings. You know, exactly, you know, and, and, and for me, it means all kinds of things, you know, sometimes it's like spending 10 minutes with my dog, sometimes it's going outside and like, I love animals in general. So it's like watching the birds in my yard or the bees on my plants, you know, and or just, uh, interviewing someone like you on someone's birthday, <laughs> just, yeah. just things like that. I'm just saying. <laughs> and so, and so for me, that's like, the music is the same, you know? So when I go into a, a recording, like Edwin Bile, for example, you know, it's something that I'm 100% in and, and I really pour my heart and soul into it. And, and, and that's the only way for me, you know, I don't half-ass that stuff because for me, music is everything. It's my life and it's my passion. And, and whether it's drums or even in Ben C, I also play guitar, I write the music. So just music in general, you know, I, I of course, it's really awesome to have, you know, to, to, to have gotten to this level where I get to play these massive shows with Megadeth and to be a part of something that's way bigger than, than me and, you know, just this massive legacy. But my love for music, you know, is unchanged. Like, like some of my favorite bands like Napalm Death and Godflesh, you know, are not the biggest bands on the planet and never will be. But, but you know, what comes out of it 
for me means the world for me that's like you know that's like the highest of the high like level you know and that doesn't maybe translate into sales or numbers of fans but 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 it means everything to me it gets me through my tougher moments and, and it inspires me to write and to play and you know i think that's what it's all about it is what it's all about. I mean, you couldn't have explained that any more clearly. Cadaver, Megadeth, Soilworks, Scarf, I'm going to throw it again, Bent C. You know, and you take your inspirations from Dave Lombardo, the late Sean Reiner, you know, Charlie Benante, Pete Sandoval, Gene Hogland. I could go on forever, man. Do you see things differently now? Have your aspirations as a person or band, have they changed or evolved since you first started play picking up the drumsticks? Um... I would say the biggest thing that has changed for me is that I've, I've come into my own and I've become more confident as a musician and as a person in general. You know, I was, like I said earlier, I was a pretty introverted kid and, and finding my way was kind of tough, you know, and, and for a while, I think I just kind of did what was expected of me. My passion for the drums and the music was always very present in there and I took that really seriously and worked really hard for it and still do. But, but I think, you know, for a while I was kind of like just seeing where it would take me. And now that I've done what I've done and worked with all these people and had the chance to have all these amazing experiences, I still do, you know, I, I, my only goal really is to make the best of what I get to do. You know, you never know when it's going to end. You mentioned Sean Reinert, you know, who, who him and his husband became really close friends with me and my wife's um, about four, four years ago about, I was doing a, yeah. a boarding session and I'd asked Sean who I'd, uh, met at the SIG drummer camp in 2011 and we kind of stayed in touch here and there I asked him for some advice and he ended up coming to the studio with uh with his husband and my wife was also there and we all hit it off and we became friends and started hanging out and just you know really just spending quality time together just playing board games or watching movies together ordering food you know just chill stuff and then Sean all of a sudden you know earlier this year out of nowhere just passed away without any warning, without any, you know, there was no disease or sickness or drugs or anything like that involved. He just, he was there and the next minute he was gone. And, and again, it's one of those reminders that like, appreciate what you have, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, I don't really think that far ahead. I'm very focused on what I'm doing now. We're in this pandemic now where there's no telling what tomorrow's gonna look like you know we're all hoping that you know shows will be back next year but there's also a lot of people still very skeptical about that saying yeah we'll see you know if especially the big shows the big you know festivals where tens of thousands of people are back together we're not quite sure that that's going to be happening yet so so i'm kind of just taking it one day at a time and making the best of every day and, and being creative as much as i can you know whether it's with ben c whether it's you know recording drums for megadeth and really putting my heart and soul into that whether it's cadaver you know, Cadaver was supposed to do a bunch of shows this year, which are obviously all postponed. So in the meantime, we just decided, hey, let's just, we have ideas, let's keep writing music, you know. And so that's what we've been doing. I feel like everything that you're just telling me right now, all the musicians, when they go back to do what they're doing, when it comes to, you know, maybe it'll happen for you. Just, it's going to be tearful, like tears of joy, you know, just sitting up on the stage. Can you imagine? Yeah. Hammer, Hammersmith Odeon, just, just a, a venue, for example. Megadeth and your first show there just uh, you know it's it's hard to fathom at this point but it's something like you kind of already done in your in your past and now it's just like thinking when am I gonna get a chance to do this again when am I get a chance to sit in front of you like in person and do the interview you know because I've looked up to you for all these years and this is great that we're doing but you know it's just like it's hard to fathom at this point and I feel like when all this comes back to normality it's 
there's going to be like, like just a, like almost to the point where it's overwhelming. Like, I don't know how to handle myself, you know? <laughs> I agree, man. I agree. I think that, uh, you know, what I take away from this, which I've thought actually before all this happened too, is that we, we, you know, humans tend to, we want to control stuff, right? Like that brutal truth album, Need to Control, which is one of my favorite. <laughs> Man, we could go on forever on that conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's such a great title because it's so embodies like something that's, you know, uh, inherent to humanity. And the truth is we don't control shit. Like we can control some stuff, you know, we can think that we control stuff. But in the end, like what happens, there's so many things that are just going to happen no matter what we do, whether it's, you know, you look at the climate, you look at, you know, this pandemic is another good example of something that, you know, is just kind of like, you know, it's happened over history and it's going to happen again. This will not be the last one. And so, you know, we take it for granted, like you take it for granted that you're going to be on tour or that you're going to be able to go to concerts or do all this other stuff. And all of a sudden it's like, nope, <laughs> it's not happening, yeah. you know. And, and that's the thing. And it's like, again, you know, appreciate what we have, appreciate what we can do, you know, and, and I look forward to being on stage again, for sure. But I'm not going to lie. There's times where I've thought like, man, with everything I've had the chance to do already in my life, if you had told me that one day I'd be in Megadeth, you know, one day I'd be even in soil work, you know, and I'd be working with like Anders and Shane from Nepal and Mitch Harris, you know, and, and all these people I look up to Devin Townsend, I can, you know, Satyricon at the gates, I'd, I can name on and on like all the stuff I've had the chance to be a part of even sometimes for one or two shows just filling in, you know, Testament last year. I mean, it's just, it's crazy, you know? So, so for me, like if this was it, <laughs> I would have no reason to complain at all. You know, I hope this isn't it. Cause I really want to have a lot more that I want to do, you know, but, but I've already done way more than I could have ever dreamed in my life. And I'm so thankful for that. And I, you know, that's something that I'm really aware of. Um, Spoiler alert, this is not it. And everything you just <laughs> <laughs> everything you just said, I'm going to finish this off with a very, I'm not going to put you on the spot here, but I feel like this question is necessary. Is building a legacy something that is important to you? Here's why. I've you never know. thought about that really, you know. I think I think a legacy sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you there because the reason why I'm asking, listen to everything you just just listed off. Every musician in there has made just a cemented point at their career. Like, okay, I know Dave Lombardo from this, I know Sean Reiner from this, Dave Mustaine. It goes on and on. That's your career, Dirk. But you know, I, and I know you're one of the most humbling musicians out there. It's a fair question. Is that something that's important to you? Do you want to leave something like that for yourself? I mean, you know, I've always been very motivated and driven, and I think that's my personality. So maybe that's a part of it, but I don't ever really recall, you know, thinking in those terms. And I think some people might, but I, I don't know. I think, you know, the people that I meet in this genre and stuff, we just do what we do because it's just who we are. That's the best I can say. You know, I think of someone like Devin comes to mind, you know, one of the most humble, kind, intelligent, you know, fun people to be around. Absolute genius. Like, I, you know, to me, he's like Prince, but, you know, in metal or whatever. He doesn't even only do metal. That's a new one. <laughs> you know, Prince was like my, my, my childhood hero and still yeah. one of my positions of all time. And I see Devin in, in a similar way because he's that genius and that amazing and just hyper creative. And, but 
you know, legacy and career, they're such terms that are like as much as they're, I know, I get it, they make sense and, you know, and all that stuff, but it seems kind of driven by something other than what I'm driven by. You know, I'm just driven by a love of music, a love of life, a love of sharing music with people. Like I go back to my 15, 16 year old trading tapes with people, you know, which was, you know, you hear about the tape trading days. I was never a part of that circuit with you know, the people that I now have the chance to work with, like the Napalm Death guys and stuff. But it was more on a local level with school buddies for me, like with my cousin in Belgium and, you know, with some people that I just, you know, wrote to because they put an ad in the magazine, hey, want to trade tapes. And and that became such an important part of my life, all that music. And, and I just, you know, I can't see myself living a life where that would not be a part of what I do because it's it's what I love, you know, so... That that's it for me. If there's any legacy, it's like a love for music. It's you know a freedom of expression and creativity, and and hopefully there's some stuff in there that people enjoy. You know, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I write music for myself, man. Like when I'm making my Ben C stuff, if I sit there and I can listen to it over and over again, and I'm excited, then it's then it's good, you know. And that's my criteria. And then maybe I'll play it for my wife, you know. And then and then if I send it off, I yeah, exactly. And then if I send it off to, you know, Sven or Shane or, or, or in the case of the Instagram series to some of the other musicians that I had contributed and they're like, these songs are killer. And I'm like, OK, good. You know, I'm not crazy, you know, so so and that's it, you know, and then if people on top of that enjoy it. Great. That's awesome. Of course, I love that. You know, I love seeing and hearing positive feedback. But but at the same time, like, you know, it's really for me and it's really just kind of like my way of getting through life, I guess, you know. <laughs> Man, uh, talk about anything's on a high, high note, you know, probably one of the most insightful conversations I've ever had with anyone, man. Dirk, I'm going to be respectful of your time, so I'm going to finish things off here. But man, do you have any shout outs, any plugs? Is there anything you want to mention with what you're doing with Megadeth or Cadaver or even with Bent C before we finish things off here? Yeah, sure. Thank you, man. It was, it was a really fun conversation for sure. Um, well, I mean, yeah, Cadaver, obviously, the album's coming out, you know, hopefully some, some tours next year, some shows, you know, uh, Megadeth, the album's making really good progress. I know the other guys have talked about it here and there, um, but I'm also hoping that that one will be able to come out next year. That's kind of the plan. I don't know the dates yet, um, you know, but really looking forward to that one coming out. I think it's going to be a really strong album. Um Really, really excited about that, obviously. Um, Brave the Cold, you know, the, the band with Mitch Harris, that record's out now, so check that out. That's a really fun one. There's more. There's more projects coming out. There's all kinds of stuff. Um, uh, ben C, you know, I'm working on the, the full length now, which is going to be the first full length, so that's coming to completion. Some stuff is being mixed already. Uh, some vocals are still being recorded, but it's really nearing the, the end of the creative stages now, So, and that's going to be really killer. In parallel, there's the Instagram series, which you can find on Bandcamp, which is also ever-expanding because that's kind of stuff I'm doing on the side, and I'm having a ton of different people that I love, you know, being a part of that. So check it out. Go to bench.bandcamp.com, you know, listen to it. It's it's grindcore. It's it's fast and intense. And yeah, I, man. <laughs> I was going to say, the more, the more stuff that you were mentioning, you were talking faster and faster, so I can tell how excited you are. Again, that shows how much passion you have for what you do. So, you know, everyone's listening, like, please support the artists that he just talked about. They can't do it without your help. That's easier said than done. As simple as that sounds, 
I have a stack of albums that I'm still like purchasing. Like it's in the corner of my room. That's why I'm on this corner because I can't fit in that corner because I still buy albums. And I think it's that's it's that just important. You know, um, you're talking about you know Hannah how she did the photo art or artwork. There's a lot of work that goes behind the artwork behind the album. I think that's just as important, if not Absolutely. for the music itself. You know. Absolutely, and Hannah, you know, like we're such a good. Yeah, I want to talk about her for a second if I can because yeah. We're so- great creative team and she's she's really you know she's a huge inspiration she's the reason why i do ben C. i go to her with everything i do and you know i think i think that doesn't get told enough times you know for a lot of people that you know a lot of us have a pillar that we rely upon you know our family and in my case that's hannah and and she's such a good sounding board to me she keeps me on track when i derail you know she gives me the best advice in the world and she's also someone i look up immensely immensely when it comes to creativity and and so for her to be a part of all this stuff you know she's also now doing my radio show on give me radio with me which is every other week um, on wednesday mornings um and you know I, I i she said can i be a part of that and i'm like of course you're you're not only <laughs> do you have way better musical taste than me you're also way better dj so please you know please be a part of it so she's a part of that now and and i love it you know that's one of the good things about this pandemic is that her and i have been able to spend more time together than than we we have before and and we've used that time in a great way to to be creative together to inspire each other and and to keep keep trucking because that's what you got to do man <laughs> Couldn't have said any better. Okay, I know, I know, I lied. This is this is literally the last question. So this is just a rumor I've heard yeah. amongst my peers. I've heard there were blast beats in the new Megadeth album. Can you confirm or not confirm that? <laughs> I was like, should I ask this question? Because as long as you kept talking about Megadeth, I was like, okay, this question yeah. is obviously going to come up. I don't know how much you can say about that. Well, I can't. I don't want to reveal anything or whatever, you know. But I can say that, you know, it's 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 obviously something that a lot of people have asked about because, you know, I've kind of, I guess, over time, <laughs> professed my love for blast beats. And to be honest, you know, yeah, Dave Dave was into it, and we experimented some stuff, and and in the end, we'll see we'll see what came out of it. You know, I do think that the way I looked at it is like I didn't want to force anything because Megadeth, come on, you know. It's a 35-plus year legacy at this point. Yeah. You know? I think that has a certain sound. And so I'm not the guy that's going to walk in there and be like, there needs to be blast beats on a song, you know, because it's me or whatever. No, like, this is Megadeth, you know. This is big. This is, like, bigger than me, bigger than anything. So I wanted to first and foremost come in there and respect that, you know. And we did experiment some stuff. Some stuff didn't work. I did some stuff my own way. That's the best I can tell you. But, you know, wait and see. <laughs> That's good enough. And, you know, much respect to just everything that you've done throughout your career. I hope I hope it just goes on and on. I said, spoiler alert, this isn't it. It's going to keep going. We're, this is just another hub. It's It adds fuel to the fire from my perspective when we actually go back to doing things that we want to do. So let's put it that way. And, you know, Dirk Verbeeren, you know, everyone is listening. You know, this is he's from Cadaver, Megadeth. Uh, Bent C, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to plug Bent C as much as I can. Listen to that band, you know. Uh, Edwin Bile comes out November 22nd on Nuclear Blast Records. You can check us out on interviewunderfire.com. Our new website just launched, and we're also on Spotify, iTunes, all the big streams out there. And I can't wait to have Dirk on this show again. We'll count down the days, obviously. You know, obviously, you made someone's day because never would I imagine again I'd be interviewing you on my birthday. So this is this is a one once a once in a lifetime like kind of opportunity that we just got. So this is amazing. So Dirk. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart, man. Uh, you be safe out there in California, and we'll stay in touch. We'll do this again next time, all right, man? 
Sounds great. Thanks so much, Tiny. This was awesome, man. And thanks to everybody who's listening. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Interview Under Fire podcast. If you guys liked what you heard, please subscribe and share our channel. And please leave a five-star review as that helps us tremendously. And also, if you guys have any questions or comments, you can find us at Interview Under Fire at Facebook or at Instagram. Or you can write us directly at schwag at interviewunderfire.com. That's S-C-H-W-A-G at interviewunderfire.com. Or Rezablade, that's R-E-Z-A-B-L-A-D-E at interviewunderfire.com.